This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And, you know, we had it good for a while. Things were very easy, a lot of wins, everything like that, Shane. And then uh, lately it's been uh, it's been a struggle. Uh, the men's team is, uh, not, has not been great, uh, let's be honest. The basketball team was never supposed to lose again, and the football team was supposed to never lose again. I mean, they haven't lost technically yet, but they did lose their coach. Yeah, and, and, so, and you players. Know, yeah. Certain players. Yeah. I mean, everything is fine. Like it's fine to vicariously live through 19 and 20 year old kids as long as they keep winning and stay. And and if they would just do that, we wouldn't have any problems. But they only think of themselves, don't they? You know, that's why we do this show. Uh, people say people have asked me, you know, why why do you do Wildcat Country? It's cathartic. You know, uh, when when there are losses, we can suffer with each other, right? And when there are wins, we can celebrate with each other. And I think that's the fun part about doing the show with you and, and interacting yeah. with people on, on Twitter or the YouTube comments or whatever in between, you know? And then we, and when we win, I can continue to be a wet blanket, which everyone loves and appreciates. I think we're all excited to hear about your wet blanketness, presumably. Wet blanketness. Uh, when we, yes, I just made up a term. So the new uh, Big 12 football schedule for 2024 came out today. And Shane and I will talk about it, but we will also be joined by our friend Blair Willis, used to work in the athletic department. He can speak on a lot of different topics. Uh, so really curious to get his feedback in segment number two. But let us start with our um, first segment, the first part of our first segment, and that is uh, Shane's standouts slash grievances. What do you got? Well, it's going to be a real short list this week. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we have other other sports we can talk about, but, you know, er- everyone's talking about, uh, obviously, Caleb Love's performance uh against against uh oregon and, and for good reason but shout out to kylan boswell because at least for this game he was back and i have been adamant on social media and otherwise saying that as kylan boswell goes so yep. goes this team i mean you right. look at the the two yep. games that arizona uh the previous two arizona losses at washington state at oregon state do you know how many total points he had in those games zero big fat zero He's had yeah. five five points combined in their three co- conference losses all he has to do is you know get Double digits shoot reasonably well, not turn the ball over, contribute on both sides of the ball, but, and, and they win. It, it really, I mean, I know that there's more to it than that. You know, certainly three-point defense is a problem. I saw the stat that they're like, I think the eighth worst team in the Pac-12 on defense in road games so far this year. Hmm, that's uh, good to know. Yeah, free, yeah, free throw shooting. That's comforting. Yeah, uh, fr- free throw shooting overall has been a problem. So they, they have other issues, you know, switching out on, on defense and everything. But they can overcome a lot of deficiencies as long as Kylan Boswell plays well. And, and so, so he is going to be my, my lone standout for the week because in, in, in an effort in hopes that we send some, him some good vibes and he keeps it rolling. Boy, I'll tell you that dude for Oregon state uh, on Thursday night, looked like Steph Curry hitting fadeaway threes. Listen, I mean, that, that lost Oregon state's inexcusable. We're not going to sit here and defend it. Uh, but they were down nine with, you know, three and a half minutes left somehow tied the game. And then, you know, give up. It wasn't like it was bad defense dude hit a, Curry like shot. And that's why he was the national player of the week. 
because he was great against the Arizona schools. So uh, there's no excuse, though. It was a terrible loss. But we're going to start talking football, and this is By Yourself, presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. Go to icesshaker.com, use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, and get $5 off your first purchase. By the way, when you do so, check out the post-purchase survey. Yep. Mention Wildcat Country, and Shane and I will be very, very happy that you did so. So uh, we'll stick with that. All right, uh, Tuesday here when we're recording, Earlier in the day, the Big 12 schedule makers put out a schedule, uh, including Arizona's. Uh, Shane, number one, the Big 12 schedule makers did Arizona solid this season, with the exception of, uh, I would say, the two Utah road games in a three-week span in October. Um, late, late September, early October. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm i kind of iffy on it. I mean, they, I mean, we already knew that they avoided you know, some of the actual tougher teams in the conference, uh, Oklahoma State and the, and the Kansas schools. You know, we have to th- include Kansas as a tougher team now, which is kind of crazy to think about, but here we are. Kansas and Arizona are both good at football. At least they were last season. Yeah. Uh, and they have, you know, they have the, the two buys in there, so uh, yeah. they're getting the, the week, week zero game against, uh, against New Mexico. Uh, no, it's actually not week zero. It's, it's not a week not. zero game. They're it's getting a, two buys a- anyway. Yeah, there's an extended season. There's more regular season weeks. Okay. Every so every few years it happens this way. So no, there, there's no week zero. Oh, it shows how much I'm paying attention. Okay. Well, they get two buys regardless. Uh, one thing I don't like, and it's something that um, I think Blair Willis, our, our soon to be guest, uh, noted, is that um, he likes to look at the teams like the week before and the week after for every team that Arizona plays, and three of them, three of the teams Arizona plays get get a buy before they play Arizona. Then and, and that, so that's kind of tough. You know, I think both the, the I don't. The I, I think that's an overrated stat, an overrated I fact. I, I, I don't know. I would have to see, and, and maybe Blair will know, but I, I don't know it offhand. Does that really make a difference? I mean, I, I, I don't know. It would be interesting to go dive in statistically and, and see that because yeah, we talk know. about, oh, they're fresh, they're coming off a bye, but does it really make a difference? I suspect it does at least a little bit. Um, but that, that, that's a fair point. And the other observation I'll just make real quick is um, I think we just assumed that Arizona ASU would continue to be the last game of the season, but it was confirmed, which was good, uh, that it will continue to be the final game of the regular season, which I think it should. You and I have discussed this before. I know you're not as big on that. Um, I would prefer that it would be be on the day after Thanksgiving as opposed to two days after. Uh, You know what, Shane? I'll be honest with you. I I, I hate to... Hate to agree with you. I'm just kidding. I thought the same thing. I, I looked at it and I was kind of depressed, uh, not depressed, but like bummed that it was on a it was on a Saturday. I was really hoping mm-hmm. it'd be on a Friday. So yeah, I'm with yeah. you there. That's good. Yeah. That's good take. But I yeah. but you know, my preference is Friday during the day, but second best Saturday during the yeah. day. Have it be a day game. There's no I mean, you're gonna have football in a, the state of Arizona in November. Put it during the day, please. Yeah, I mean, I, I would rather it not be a night game. You know, listen, I love to watch Michigan, Ohio State, or whatever rivalry games are on. I, I'd rather it not be a cold night game. It'll probably be a mid-afternoon game once again, especially if Arizona is is ranked at the time. All right, let's. Speaking of that, Shane, uh, I went and gave a, a brief analysis uh, on Twitter of my record predictions. I said, all right, best case scenario, not including, you know, assuming no in- good injury health you know no no big players hurt for a while Arizona goes 10 and 2 uh, I think the road trips at Kansas State at Utah at UCF is concerning TCU if they bounce back and there's always a random home game so I, I would say you know in there that's uh, right they, you, they do gonna... play Kansas State I was thinking com- they played they got the non-conference at Kansas State so they do have to yeah. go to Kansas for that one yeah so. I mean but that game you know for the for the most part doesn't really affect Arizona's standing in the Big 12 this year I, it's dumb yeah, it that could, could affect college football playoff ranking if it comes down to it okay fair um 
with that said, all right, so best case, 10 and two, Arizona wins, you know, all their games at home, loses two games at home, on the road. Fair enough. I think that it, worst case scenario, seven and five, you know, maybe there's some injuries and whatnot, but I think this schedule sets up for at least seven wins. I think realistic, uh, eight and four. Uh, I think, you know, you're going to lose some games on the road. You'll probably lose a game you shouldn't at home and, and you get eight wins and, you know, we're somewhat happy, I guess, all things considered in the first year of the Brent Brennan era. You probably will disagree with that. Go for yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think between well, two, the two things that concern me, first of all, I'll just say, again, I think the Brent Brennan hire was, was a good one. I think mm-hmm. he's done a great job retaining a lot of talent from last season. I think he's brought in a good coaching staff, which I know we'll talk about. Um, but there are two big things that, that concern me. Number one is all the talent they lost on defense on offense that okay. they, they've retained a lot. You know, Jonah mm-hmm. Coleman was the big loss there. And then, and then some guys are graduating, which, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, but he, offensively that they, they're going to retain a lot of the same guys and they're going to be in pretty good shape at the offensive line, at quarterback, at, at wide receiver. Uh, we'll see about tailback. On defense, you know, they'll, they'll be fine. You can find running backs, Shane. I mean, uh, come on. Let's, Jonah, gonna... I, I agree, but Jonah Coleman was special last year. He was he good, was. but you still seven you yards know, a carry. Okay, but fine. I'll give you that. But he didn't. I don't think he did much in the in the Alamo Bowl, and he still won the game anyways. No, that, that's true. I'm not saying he's irreplaceable. I'm just saying that it's a loss. But overall, and the off- game same thing. Yeah. All, all right, all right. Just, just, just relax. Okay. okay. All, right, all right. All right. On the defensive side, they've lost a lot, and, uh-huh. and they lost a lot of depth already before Jetfish left. And they've lost even more since then um, on the defensive line and uh, the cornerback position, the defensive line. We saw, you know, Traden Stooks and, and Gunnar Malnato and Dalton Johnson announced they're coming back, but they've mm-hmm. lost a lot. And, and I think that Arizona, not just their starters, but their, their, their depth, their reserves on defense um, helped build that unit uh, tremendously. So they're not going to have to do a full rebuild, but a pretty big re- rebuild on the defensive side of the ball, which, Hey, okay. strong on offense, weak on defense. They fit in perfectly with a big 12. The other concern of mine is just it's more than if it's intangible. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time to for this the players and the staff to get to know each other. This is a completely different staff, uh, and the staff gets needs to get to know them and vice versa. And there's it's going to take time to do that. And so the chemistry of the team is just an unknown. You know, it wasn't going to okay. be an issue with Jetfish return. So all those things considered, I, I think give, give me give really me your me. give Go me ahead. your worst case, your best case, and your realistic. Oh, I mean, I look at best case if everything comes together and and they they land some great uh, players in the transfer portal, which they still can the next time around. Then I I guess I'm with you at ten wins at best absolute okay. best okay case. best case okay. But I think I think the floor is a lot lower. I, I think worst case things can fall apart and they win maybe five games. Oh I wow! Would, I would say I would put them at maybe seven right now, maybe eight. I I think and I even think that's optimistic. And I'm I'm I guess I'm also just being careful because, and this has nothing to do with the current team, but it's just how I think. When Rich Rodriguez uh, was fired and Kevin Sumlin was brought in, I thought they were going to have a great first year with Kevin Sumlin because they brought back a lot of talent on that team. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. they might win nine games and they won in on in one five. And I think the transition was part of that issue. You know, it's going from the you know in your face Rich Rodriguez to more of the laid back Kevin Sumlin and his staff. I think was kind of a shock to the team system. That's what concerns me a little bit about this team. Plus, just all the guys they've lost on defense and until. I I feel confident that, that they've replenished the the roster on defense. I'm not prepared to be quite as optimistic as you are. All right. So obviously injuries not built in here. Um, yeah. you, you know, if there if there's bad injury luck, all right, it's one thing. You know, obviously Fafita goes down, T Mac goes down, whatnot. I still think this team. I, I think the expectations from some fans are just unrealistic. I think right now, considering the coaching change, as you mentioned, Shane, 
um, to say that Arizona is going to go win 10 games automatically or go 12 and 0. I, I, at this point in time, as the roster stands, I, I don't think it's fair to say that. Yeah. I think an eight win team, if Arizona won eight games and was a true contender in the big 12 to make the championship game to, until the end of the season, I think that that's fine. I, I'm yeah. not going to complain about that. I, I mean, this was, Unfortunately, if Arizona had a chance uh, this year with the Pac-12, uh, you know, if the South Division didn't, uh, you know, if they if they didn't get rid of divisions, Arizona's playing Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, and we're going to see what they're made of. Yeah. But at this point in time, I expect an eight-win season. Uh, if assuming good health, if Arizona fails to win eight games next year with this schedule, I'm disappointed. I'll tell you another what, that, thing. I, yeah. No, I just want to mention real quick that their their opening conference game at Utah. That's good. I mean, it's huge. tough, and we're going to learn right, a lot you, about that team going in. But yep. but Shane, you you look at the schedule this year. I mean, you had that you had that murderers row. Obviously, you started with Stanford, oh, yeah. and then you you played Washington, USC at you know it was at USC at Washington State. Then you had I mean you had six ranked teams in a row at mm-hmm. one point in the year. Then Colorado mm-hmm. fell off. Washington State obviously ended yep. up not being that good. But I mean, this was this this schedule on paper is significantly significantly worse than what Arizona faced this year. No, it's not, it's not, doesn't look terribly daunting, but again, it's those, it's less the schedule and more the, the concerns I have, you know, both in, in intangibles and otherwise with this team that, that have me a little less optimistic than, than you are going. Into All right. The year. Fair, fair. The other thing about this schedule I want to talk about the teams on it. When you look at it from the eye test, it's just no. not, it just doesn't stand. I mean, we can all agree. Like you're missing the USC's, UCLA's, Oregon's. There's nobody on here where you're like, I gotta be at this West Virginia game, even though it'll probably be homecoming. I I mean, Colorado, maybe if you want to see Dion and Tucson uh, and, and ASU, of course. I'll, but like, there's nobody that is like, oh my gosh, what an incredible opponent, you know? Yeah, well, and that's true. But on the flip side, there's, you know, when we talked about this, but um before the schedule was released and when Jed Fish was still the head coach, there's no one on that schedule where you look at and think Arizona can't beat. And I still think that's true. I mean, you look at every, if Arizona is as good as I think they're going to be, or at least as good as you think they're going to be, there's no reason they they won't have a chance to win every single game in that schedule. The Utah game, I think is probably the the toughest on the outside looking in. Then maybe the Kansas state game after that. But I understand what you're saying though. But with that said, I mean, Arizona's attendance last year was all, I mean, the Washington game sold out, and I think that was it. You know, the, the, not even the UCLA game sold out. Yeah, I mean, obviously, attendance is going to be tough, especially if they're going to raise prices up the up mm. the wazoo. And we don't know yeah. what that, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like. I haven't seen my season ticket renewal, which I probably will hear soon. You know, how much is how much are things going to go up? The team was good, but then you lost your head coach. Yeah. So you had this great momentum. And, and well, you kept some of it while keeping your players. You've also lost others. So can you charge a, a premium? For those tickets, I, let me see what that is, and we'll talk about that. You know, and I because I haven't seen them. Maybe they are raising the prices, whatnot, and we'll go to that. All right, uh, number two, Shane. Based on seeing how uh, Brent Brennan uh, assembled his coaching staff, uh, the new coaching staff is more impressive on paper than the last. Um, maybe in terms of like overall college resume, maybe. Um, I think the big advantage of the previous staff, number one, I think there was a good deal of NFL experience on there. And number two, I, I think you had, you're going to keep Dwayne Akeem. You had to make him the defensive coordinator. I get that. Yeah. But I kind of liked him more in the role that he was in before. I, I think he was more valuable in that role. I don't, I don't know. 
I'm not sold on him as a defensive coordinator. I think it was a good move. Hmm. I, I like it. Interesting. Well, I just I feel like his his first run as defensive coordinator Arizona was just it was just okay. You know he wasn't the DC when during the the, uh, the Desert Swarm era. It was after that, so I feel like he might be a little bit better suited in the in this previous role. So that concerns me a little bit. Uh, but certainly you have a, a lot of experience. He has a lot. Brent Brennan has a lot of guys he's, he he knows he's been able to bring with him from San Jose State and the guys he's worked with previously on you know, both both coordinators obviously. Um, so. Oh no! Overall, I like it. I like what he's done, but I mm-hmm. I think that Jed Fish put together a great staff of guys who could just go out and sell, sell, sell the program. And and until I see that with these guys, it's kind of hard for me to put them on par with that group. Okay, so from a recruiting standpoint, you're right. I think Jed Fish's staff was better. You had guys that were hungrier. I think with this particular staff, you have the head coach of former head coach of Syracuse, former Arizona assistant. He understands what it takes to win here. Mm-hmm. Dino Babers. I think yep. he's a, he's a, he's a big time football mind yep. and a great hire. And I think Danny Gonzalez, former ASU defensive coordinator, yeah. San Diego state defensive coordinator, uh, New Mexico head coach, you know, maybe not a great head coach, but he's a great assistant to yeah. Dwayne Aquina out, out there. So I, I really sure. like, I think the staff is older. Um, and, and you've got Zoe Carter, who's, you know, the running backs coach who's known as an excellent recruiter, you know, uh, Jed, Jed really busted it as far as recruiting went. like J- Jed was phenomenal at that and selling the program. I, I, it's going to be hard for this staff to do that. With that said, they have to get in, in certain, they have to get a pipeline like Jed did with the Servite kids. And, and that, that's the reason Arizona is as good as they are. You got Fafita, McMillan, Manu, uh, those three guys right there are the reason Arizona is as good as they are. Uh, quite simply. And so you you have to find that pipeline. So I think from a recruiting perspective, I don't expect Arizona to be maybe as accomplished as Jed Fish was. With that said, I think as far as X's and O's, I don't think Jed, and we talked about this, Shane, I didn't think Jed Fish calling plays was like a savant. Yeah. I think he was a very good play caller. I think he wasn't quite as smart as he thought he was. I I agree. Uh, And I I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I think you you nailed it right there. I think it's a good take. Yeah, I, I think, especially the first season, he was calling plays in the first year he was at Arizona when they won 11. He was calling plays for guys who weren't nearly as talented as the guys he had on the field, thinking that they could pull it off. And then later on, he he started getting there. He started. He still got too cute sometimes, uh, you know, trying to do these trick plays that he did absolutely didn't need to throw in. Um, I, you know, I think it's fair still to be critical of him for that decision on that two point play against USC to run the ball, but you know, it, it's hard to second guess. How about everything. not, how about not go for two to win the game earlier? Yeah. I mean, that, that, I, I mean, if Arizona wins that game, Shane, Arizona's 10 yeah. and two and they're, they're in a new year six bowl game. I mean, that was one play it came down to one play. Yeah. Not to tie the game, but to win the game. I, I agree. No, I agree with you 100%. It was the same thing as the, the Oregon game back in 2009. So, yeah, in terms of play calling, I don't think Arizona I'm, – I'm not terribly concerned about that. I think Arizona's going to be fine in that regard. Um, but in terms of recruiting, we'll have to see. And I, I think one of the big selling points, again, is the, the, come to Arizona and we'll help you – get to the NFL. We'll help you be a higher draft pick. We'll help you be a draft pick. You know, we'll, you'll, you'll get to hear from, uh, from some of the best coaches in the country who Jed has connections to. Uh, and Brent Brennan and his staff just don't have that, at least not yet. And so that that's not that selling point. You can, you can now sell thanks partly to Jed Fish and his staff. You can sell the idea that you can come and win at Arizona, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a big deal. But I think that really is secondary for most college athletes who are, are, want to go somewhere where they can, they can be trained up to, to play at the next level, which I think is totally fair. And I think 
Jed Fisher's staff definitely had an advantage, at least at this point, over Brent Brennan's staff. All right. This one, you're probably going to roll your eyes when, I mean, obviously you've seen the questions in advance, but I think those of you out there probably are thinking like me. Um, a bonus football question that you will root against Washington next year more than ASU, or I guess as long as Jed and players like Prysock uh, are there. And Prysock with the buy my jerseys, oh yeah, I'm leaving anyways, doesn't really matter. That was not a great look. I, yeah. I wish him well, but it's hard to root for him after that. I thought it was a garbage move. Well, let's talk about that for just a second because, yeah, he he goes out and peddles his Arizona jersey knowing he was mm -hmm. on his way out and then yeah. announces it a couple days later. Then he says something about, oh, by the way, I don't make any money off of that. A day or two after that, well, first of all, someone pointed out that it even says online NIL jersey. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's number one. And then a couple days after that, a, a Leaf Magnuson offensive lineman goes out and says, you buy my jersey and 100% of the proceeds for the next however long are going to go to a children's hospital. So, Class act. Class yeah, act. Which yeah. tells you that he's seen some of that money. So that was just a, I mean, it was a classless thing for him to do. And then he lied about it. The Friesian's yeah. price lock is what I'm talking about. So, yeah. so I don't begrudge him the, 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 the opportunity to go play somewhere else. He wants to do that. That's just fine. Um, but he did, he, I think was absolutely classless on the way out. Um, with that said, um, I, I would, I, I would take a certain satisfaction in Washington not doing well. Yeah, absolutely, I would. Um, I and you know, with ASU, it's like I'm, I'm officially not, I'm not an ASU hater. I never have been. Look, when it comes to the rivalry, I want to be the best. I want to have the best program in the state. I want to beat them like mad. I want to beat them in the in the territorial cup. Don't get me wrong, but I don't have that disdain week in week out for asu like some fans do so i'm not but i also am not going to put washington on par with that yes i i will take some satisfaction if, if washington does not do well and or if he does well they do well and he leaves after one year i would probably enjoy that just as much all um, right but i wouldn't put it on par with the asu rivalry oh i see i now listen I, I i somewhat agree with you here asu is still my least favorite uh school in the country i think i think most of you would agree with that but if washington isn't number two especially this year I'm just saying, I, there's none, I would be, if you're rooting for Washington this year and, and wish them well, let us know. I mean, put it in the YouTube comments and put it on X and say, you know what? I hope Jed does well at Washington because I'm not there. I hope he loses. And I hope, uh, you know, I don't wish anybody ill will. I just don't want him to win games. Yeah. That's all. He got his money. Great. Um, and I want him to leave for Florida. I think it'd be funny. So I, I, I will be rooting yeah, against I Washington. Agree. I don't care who's playing Washington. I will be rooting against them. And, and fortunately, they don't play ASU, so I, I won't have to worry about that. And I doubt ASU will make a bowl game, so I won't have to think about that. But as far as it goes, ASU at the bottom, Washington one step above. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, basketball. Uh, Shane, we, we've talked about the, the UConn last year. with They lost 6 of 8 in January and then you know, figured it out and won the national championship. So... I'll, I'll put it this way about Arizona, that the January slide is temporary and Arizona will improve in the final two months. I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, I, I think I, despite everything in the last several weeks and, and the ridiculousness of some of these losses and performances, and I'm going to include UCLA because they really mm -hmm. had to dig themselves out of a hole at home against UCLA. Yeah. 
my mind still hasn't changed about this team is that they can beat anyone when they're on and they, and they can lose to anyone when they're off. I do think one thing we've learned is that they rise to a challenge better. Like, like they, they need fans screaming at them on the road, not just a couple thousand, you know, golf clap fans. that can maybe get loud late in the game, like at Oregon state or in Pullman, but fans that are really going to get after them from, from the, the first uh, jump ball at center court, the tip off. That's what, that's what I was trying to think of the tip off. Uh, so, you know, like against Duke or, or against Oregon. And I think maybe even when they play ASU later on in, in Tempe, they crave that adversity. And when they go into lukewarm environments, they just don't perform as well. It's not an excuse. They should still win, you know, mm-hmm. and then they have won a couple of those games, like against Cal, they didn't have that problem. And against Oregon state, they started off just fine. Um, but I think that there's, there's that part of it. And then if you think, okay, Pac-12 tournament, NCAA tournament, that's not going to be an issue in terms of uh, playing on the road. It won't be a true road game. It does concern me a little bit that, you know, that the first round of the tournament where it's not quite as loud and a lot of the fans will get behind the the lower seat. It actually concerns me a little bit more that they might not be able to climb out of a, a, a hole against a, a bad team in the first or second round. But I think that, that they can, they can rise to the challenge. They can beat anyone on any given day. They proven they could lose to anyone on any given day. And what happened in Oregon, in Oregon, even though it was, backwards from what we both thought it would be hasn't changed my mind about anything all right um one thing that i kind of learned from all this uh yeah i'm not saying it's temporary but i want to see arizona bounce back this week you know take care of business against the northern california schools you're on the road at the rocky mountain schools next week Um, that's going to be a tough trip i think you got to get at least one there but one thing that i kind of learned you know after the oregon state loss i was thinking oh there's no way they beat oregon and then the odds makers came out with arizona minus four and a half and you're like what do they know that i don't I'm thinking I'm taking Oregon on the money line. As I always like to say, the casinos are are uh, are so big in Las Vegas for a reason. Uh, and the hotels are so big. You, because you want to know a secret, Eric? So mm-hmm. uh, I don't gamble, as you as you know. But mm-hmm. for the first time in about six or seven months, I said, you know what? Vera's going to just going to lose. I'm going to go ahead and bet against him and make some money. So I bet five bucks that or on on the uh, not the money line, but the with the points. And so at least, hey. I'm fine with that. And if that's what it takes for Arizona to keep winning, I'm going to keep doing it. I said, uh, if, if Arizona was going to keep losing the, like this, because I almost did it against Oregon State, and I wish I had, because that 18 and a half point line was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I did it against Oregon, and of course it didn't pay off. But I'm fine with that, and I might have to keep doing it as long as Arizona wins. All right, let's talk about the number of wins for the, for the remaining true road games, not including the Pac-12 tournament or the NCAA tournament. Predict the number of wins for Arizona over these last five games, Shane, at Utah, at Colorado, at ASU, at UCLA, at USC. How many you got? Yeah, so, and before I get into that, uh, Arizona at this point always, always changes, has an opportunity for just two more quad one wins in the regular season, and those are the Mountain West schools. Because okay. it's a uh, a top seventy five net the team schools, on the road. Not Mountain West, but, but Mountain, Mountain excuse me, yeah. Mountain yeah. schools. Yeah, Think, yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking Oregon State and Washington State. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, a split there I think would be okay. But those are their last two chances for for quad one wins as of now. And then there's ASU, UCLA, and USC where you're more just trying to dodge landmines. Uh, I think three out of five. You know, I, I would be okay with a split at, at the Mountain Schools. Um, I think. As well as ASU has been playing at home, I, I think that just that kind of environment we talked about, where you know, the, there's always a lot of U of A fans in that game, and that just gets the ASU fans even louder because they want to defend their their home court. Um, I think that they would probably win that game. And then just based on the way the teams are playing right now, I think they would beat UC, USC and probably lose at UCLA. So three out of five. Yeah, you know what? I agree with everything you just said. Spot on. 
Um, and I, I thought, you know, I was expecting you to say two, one or two. Uh, if you were to say right now, what seed is Arizona come the big dance? Well, as of right now, and there's a great site called bracketmatrix.com that I love going to. It's a compilation of all the bracket projections on the web everywhere. And the, the latest one, which I think came out on Monday, still has Arizona as a two seed, which is maybe a little bit surprising, but a lot of other teams have been losing too. So that's part of it. Um, I would guess if I had to actually like put a number on it, I would guess a three and give or take a seed because I think they're probably going to suffer a couple more losses. And they are one of the things against them, even though they have a lot of really quality wins, they're the only team in the top 12 right now in, in net to have a, a quad three loss. And that could change also by the end yep. of the season. But so I will predict three, uh, you know, give or take one. Yeah, I don't think Arizona's higher than a three. And I think a four seems about right to me. So I'm going to I'm going to be a little more pessimistic. Um, you know, you're going to if you lose even two more games and let's say if you win the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, I could see a three. Uh, mm -hmm. If you don't win the Pac-12 tournament, a four. Uh, I'd, I'd see right around there. One of those two seeds. I think you're right. I'd be surprised if they got a two at this point. I think the Oregon State game really, unless they were to go on a winning streak and and, and pretty much win like 10 in a row here, I, which I don't probably see happening. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I'd say a two is probably out of the question at this point, Real, as far as I'm concerned, realistically. All right, coming up next, let us talk to Blair Willis, get his thoughts on everything that's happening inside the Arizona Athletic Department here on Wildcat Country. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Gronkowski here, and I'm at the Ice Shaker Warehouse, the proud sponsor of the Wildcat Country podcast. And I got something new and exciting to show you. We're talking about the 4D printed University of Arizona shaker bottles with the legacy championships on it. Check it out now at iceshaker.com. Shane, it's been a long time since we've had our buddy Blair Willis on, former SID for the Arizona football team, among other uh, jobs with the uh, U of A. Blair, glad to have you back on. And if there's anybody that understands the inner workings of an athletic department that we ever have on this program, it's you. Let's just start with the Jed Fish leaving Brent Brennan hire. Do you like the hire? Do you like the staff he's put together? And your thoughts on the overall, um, what the last few weeks have been like with a football team? Yeah, Eric, um, thanks for having me, guys. It's, it's great to be back with you. Um, so much has happened since the last time I joined you back in football season. Um, yeah, the, the coaching change was, you know, one of those things that uh, I think we all thought was going to come with Jet at some point. This is probably at least a year early um, from what many of us hoped for. Um, but, you know, I really thought the U of A administration did a great job moving quickly. And, um, you know, when the era of the transfer portal and um, kind of unlimited transfers, um, you, you got to move quickly on these things. And I was very impressed with what the Arizona administration was able to do in, in going out and getting Brent Brennan. Um, he's certainly a guy I'm been, I've been very, very high on. Um, he was probably, if I had a short list of names back when Jed was hired, Brent was probably at the top of my list back in 2020. Um, just the type of personality and, and just coaching background and acumen that he has. I, I just think that's something that our program is needed. Um, and, you know, to Jed's credit, I thought Jed did a great job connecting with alumni, um, engaging this community. It took a little bit of time for the community to come around and, and support uh, Jed and his program. But once we started winning some games last fall, um, there was a lot of energy around the football program. And it really makes Brent Brennan's job in the short term probably a little bit easier now coming in because a lot of those relationships with alumni have been built and, and re-engaged. And 
Um, even a little bit of edginess now, I think, to some Arizona football fans. We haven't always had edginess, um, but I think there's been some hostility towards the way Jet exited, and, and maybe that's a good thing to, to kind of rally the troops and get everybody behind Coach Brennan and, and his staff. And, you know, you asked me, Eric, what I think about the staff. I think he's done a really good job. Um, you know, with the staff, uh, he's brought a few people over with him from San Jose State who he's going to feel good about, not just in who they coach at their positions, but probably the recruiting connections that they're going to have along the West Coast, which I think will be important. Um, I was elated that uh, Coach Aquina was going to remain a part of uh, the defensive staff, whatever role that was going to be. And, and so then to see him as the defensive coordinator, that tells me two things. One, that that he's energized and, and ready to be the defensive coordinator again. I think some of us may have thought when he first came here as a senior analyst last spring that maybe he was at the end of his career and and just kind of you know trying to find a place to retire but um, the way the defense responded last year to coach Nansen's coaching and coach Akina's coaching um, I think there's a fire there not only amongst those players but in coach Akina so I'm glad he's on board if I have one criticism and it's not really a criticism of, of Brent's staff um, I, I do have a question mark a little bit at offensive coordinator with, with coach Babers coming back um, maybe falls a little bit along the question I had with Coach Aquina a year ago. You know, does he really want to be a coordinator at this point of his career? And what's his offense going to look like? How's it going to match the personnel that Arizona has coming back? Because um, with the offensive linemen returning, with Noah Fafita, Tedero McMillan, um, you know, some of the other young wide receivers, um, there's some talent to work with on that side of the ball. And, and um, I'm going to be very interested to see how, um, you know, Coach Babers and the offensive staff piece this thing together. Because if there was one thing Jed did well, it was install a pro-style offensive system here that was executed at a very high level, um, really at every position that we had this past year. So that's going to be hard to replace, but I'm, I'm opt optimistic they can do that. Yeah, that was one of my thoughts as well, Blair, is that if they're the assistant coach on or the coach on Brennan's staff who might leave the soonest might be Babers just because I'm sure he's angling for another head coaching job. And Arizona does well. He could get another group of five offer as soon as uh, uh, next year. But um, I trying to read between the lines a little bit on Jed's exit. I feel like he probably wanted to stay, but the contract extension wasn't getting done, you know, cause, and, and you know, this typically when you agree to a contract extension, you, and it, it's announced by the, by the media, by the athletic department. Uh, it's like, it's, it's pending ABOR approval. And this time it didn't happen. And I wonder maybe there was concern that the board of regents wasn't going to approve it or was going to maybe table it because of the optics with the budget shortfall. And Jed said, maybe, you know, maybe I just need to get out of here and take the short thing with Washington, which is offering me more money anyway. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm certainly not privy to, you know, really where things stood with, with the extension. I mean, I just based on some third hand knowledge, it, it, it sounded like there was an agreement in place. Um, and, and even kind of an acknowledgement that because of some optics with the university's overall financial picture, that I think both both sides were willing to kind of put it off a little bit and, and maybe get it a little bit closer um, to, to the February signing date or the start of spring ball. Um, so I think there was a pretty good understanding and agreement there. I really just think that that Jed, when the opportunity came so quickly, I mean, that it really did develop quickly that week where Coach Saban retired. Um Greg Byrne in Alabama moved very quickly on Kalen DeBoer from Washington. Uh, it, it became one of those opportunities, maybe with Washington's familiarity with Coach Fish on the West Coast, um, that it was such a natural fit and such an opportunity and how quickly it came that Jed really probably had a place like that in mind that he'd want to get to. And he probably didn't think it was going to be as quick as it was, or certainly that 
maybe at the end of November after Arizona won the Territorial Cup, he wasn't thinking Washington's going to be available this year. Um, it just maybe didn't seem like the, the right time or the right opportunity. Um, but when it came available a few weeks back, I just think he probably had to make a very quick decision. It's hard to turn down that money, basically doubling your salary, not just your salary, but your coaching staff, everybody that comes with you, um, a lot of your support staff that you're going to bring. I mean, that's really a life-changing opportunity for, for a lot of people beyond just Coach Fish. Um, the other thing I would say to it is, is, and we'll probably get to this if we talk a little bit about 2024 Arizona football, Arizona's coming off a 10-3 and three season, winning at, beating out Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. It's probably one of the top five best seasons in school history, um, maybe even as high as the third best season in school history. How likely was Arizona to recreate that success yeah. again next year? Strike while uh, the iron's hot. Into the Big 12. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if Jed, you know, would be concerned about a setback and, and the program taking a step back, he might be, you know, is he in the mix for Florida next year if that's open? Is he in the mix for a Washington-type job next year if it becomes available? I really think for Coach Fish, it just became a you got to strike while the iron's hot. And yep. I think he probably took a couple missteps on his way out in terms of the, you know, how cordial he was and, and, and really um, being gracious on his exit. But I don't really fault him for taking the position itself. Mm -hmm. I think he could have handled it with a little more grace, though. Yeah, I think most Wildcat fans would agree with you on that. Uh, right, let's transition to to Dave Fiki. I think we were all kind of caught off guard when, when we, we saw that news. Your thoughts on the decision and just your overall thoughts on Dave Fiki as you got to know him when you were working in, uh, with him in the athletic department. Yeah, um, probably the timing of that was a little bit surprising. Um, I guess that was last week. Um I was actually thinking about, um, I don't have a, a much of a relationship with Dave, I, and I've been out of the athletic department for almost five years now, but um, I would see Dave typically once or twice uh, a year at, at football games up in the press box, and he was always, you know, great with me, and and uh, I, I was actually thinking about reaching out to him, because I thought they did a great job, a fantastic job uh, with the coach Brennan hire, moving so quickly and, and making that a very seamless transition, making it easy on our student-athletes to make their decisions, whether, you know, a few of them have gone into the portal and, and maybe committed elsewhere, but um, a great majority of our roster has stayed here. And so I just thought Dave in particular had done a really good job uh, on this coaching change uh, in, in keeping a lot of stability. But um, looking at Dave's tenure as, as the athletic director over what I think was just about seven years, uh, I, I really think you kind of look at it in, in a couple different contexts. I mean, the first context is he came here at a time of presidential turmoil um, back in 2017. There was a lot of um, criticism of, of President Ann Weaver Hart. Um, she had announced that she was going to leave at the end of her contract. And so we were in the midst of a presidential search when Dave was hired. I think some people may even forget that, that Dave was actually hired before President Robbins um, officially started. And so I think the, the early part of Dave's tenure was was a little bit rough for him. And I think it, it may have created a little bit of friction amongst different facets of people, whether that was people working in athletics, whether that was donors, boosters, people in the community, um, because you had a few things working, you know, against him taking the time to, to do what he wanted to do as the athletic director. One was he had a new president coming in that summer, uh, the summer of 2017. Um, eventually you get the uh, basketball uh, sanctions and the allegations of, of the FBI investigation. Then you have a investigation into the head football coach, um, much of that became, you know, for nothing that that year that fall of 2017. But um, a lot, you know, a lot of that was ongoing that whole season. And, and then there was a dismissal of the head coach. So 
Dave's first year was, was really rough. There was a lot going on. Um, and then not too much longer, maybe once he thinks he's going to get his feet under him, you know, a year or two later, then COVID hits. And, and uh, COVID may for Dave, and I'm not speaking for him, I, I've never spoken to him about this, but um, when everything kind of goes on pause for a, a period of time, um, I think that may have been a reset opportunity for him and, and really um, probably in alignment with the university and President Robbins and and everybody in the athletic department having to come on board with a reentry plan and navigating all the hoops of, of the financial burden of no revenues from ticket sales and donations being significantly decreased that year. Um, I think David responded pretty well, um, is my point, these last couple of years. And, and maybe this last year or so, handling the conference realignment, uh, getting Arizona into the Big 12, uh, how quickly he moved on, um, you know, getting Coach Brennan here. I mean, maybe some of Dave's finer moments really came here. Um, at the end, but um, legacies and, and tenures always kind of get measured over the long term. And um, as we look to the future, I think for Arizona, there's a, a changing landscape. I mean, I, the, the landscape has changed so much in Dave's tenure. I mean, from 2017 to where we are now, it's going to change even more in the next five years. So the next athletic director hire is going to be interesting and, and, and a critical one for, for the athletics department. You know, Shane and I didn't talk about this in the first segment, Blair, but um, a name that's been out there, and I actually had a friend who used to work at Fox Sports with John Entz. Uh, I know Jason Shear put the name out there, uh, really was uh, high on him and just said, this is the guy, he's a former team manager under Lute Olson. Uh, this is a guy that makes a lot of sense, and he loves Arizona. And I think for me, in hiring another athletic director, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't object to having somebody with Arizona ties. And we know there's a lot of people out there that, you know, Mac Rhodes at Baylor and uh, Crystal Connie at Texas, Mark Harlan at, at Utah that have Arizona ties, but a lot of those guys probably aren't coming. Do you have a name or names that you kind of favor uh, for as the future AD? No, but I, I really don't have, have a name in particular, but but what I do hit, uh, hit on, Eric, is what you just said. I mean, uh, John and somebody from that type of background, you know, whether it's the entertainment industry, television, broadcast. Um, you know, I believe he has some uh, some time in, in professional baseball, um, somebody that has that type of business acumen and, and not just business in the sense of running a business, but the sense of how entertainment and business and operations all kind of collide, I think, is important. Um, but really tying the bow to that is the fundraising element. I mean, fundraising has always been important. And, and, you know, I think Greg Byrne, I mean, when he first came to Arizona, you know, tried to make fundraising even more of a priority than it had ever been at Arizona. Um, kind of, you know, 10 years later, 12 years later from the time when Greg started now, um, we're we're in financial times that are different than they've probably ever been at this level of, of you know, whether it was Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10. I mean, you just look at the divide across the country of major college athletic departments and in that financial piece of it is so significant now. And whether it's, you know, Dave Hickey, um, you know, Greg Byrne, uh, whether, you know, it was Rich Rodriguez is a football coach, Kevin Sumlin, you know, different leaders sort of sometimes are preferred by different segments of the, of the booster population, you know, you know, some kind of have their guy and they're always going to support them. And as soon as their guys out, you know, you're going to, they're going to pull their support back and someone else is going to put their support behind their guy. I actually think that Arizona might be in a situation with, some consistency with Tommy Lloyd in basketball, a guy that a lot of people seem to like. I think Brent Brennan's going to be very likable. Um, I think there's a lot of motivation for people maybe rallying this donor base and, and whether that's season ticket holders or the big time boosters, 
I think we need somebody to come in here that can kind of rally everybody together and understand the landscape now, understand NIL, understand Transfer Portal, understand whatever Congress or the court systems, you know, pass on down to us. Is it student athletes becoming employees? You know, you need a new modern sort of way of thinking and handling all the issues that are taking place, but understanding how money is going to be a necessary driver for making those things possible. Um, it's a different, it's a different animal now. It's a different, you know, my experience in an athletic department five years ago, and I was there for almost 15 years, is a different animal now. And so if, if, if the universities and, and in particular Arizona doesn't continue to adapt its leadership style, and if it doesn't adapt its approach to fundraising, it's going to be hard to survive. You hate to say that, but it's just going to be really hard to survive. So my priorities, I don't have a person in particular, Eric, but I think fundraising is very important. And I think somebody that's got a sense of business entertainment, connecting with the modern fan, the modern you know person that's going to go spend disposable income to go watch events in person, there needs to be somebody that can connect with those people because we got to get Arizona Stadium filled. We got to keep McHale Center filled. We got to keep High Corbett and Hillenbrand, those places filled. And uh, it's going to take a pretty innovative leader for that. All right. This one's going to be a tough one for you, but do the best you can with it. Um, there have been rumors, obviously, of a budget shortfall and some cuts in the athletic department, including potentially sports. Um, just your thoughts. I, I, I don't want to have you name sports. I mean, because that's tough to say, you know, which how do you prioritize which sports or whatnot? What do you personally expect to come from this? Do you think that the cuts will be major in your personal opinion, minor, just any thoughts you have on that? Yeah, very naive perspective. You know, I, I don't have any inside information on this, but um, I, I would expect that the athletic department and the university will have supported as much as it can to, to not cut anything in, in, in the short term. Um, that would be optimal. Um, longer term, maybe there's some considerations about what needs to be done longer term. And, and you have um, a major roadblock to that, a major roadblock being Title IX in terms of you know, you can't just go, let's take uh, both tennis programs away because it doesn't, you know, and I'm just picking tennis because there's a men's team and a, and a women's team. So um, you're proportionally going to have to work within Title IX in terms of the funding, the scholarships, um, and, and you can't just, you're not just going to go tit for tat is what I'm saying because, well, even like in, men, in basketball, you know, men's basketball has fewer scholarships than women's basketball. So even just looking at the sports, there's some, um you know, the, the proportions aren't always equal men's and women's because it has to align in with Title IX and the NCAA rules. Um, you know, I think you look at a, at a sport like men's, men's and women's swimming and diving. I mean, there's um, a huge facility cost there uh, to maintain a pool. Um, you have pretty large rosters. I don't know exactly what their scholarship counts out are now. But, you know, again, I think if you're thinking long term of a sport that, you know, doesn't make the most financial sense for us to continue to support, Maybe that's, you know, a sport like that. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think the university wants to cut teams. We, they just added, you know, triathlon a year ago. Um, but as you look at travel logistics um, with a new conference, um, not just, again, what the next, say, five years look like, but what are conferences going to look like, you know, 10 years from now? I mean, I think there's a lot of long-term financial considerations that would go into cutting a sport. I don't think, and I don't, maybe it's just because I don't want to believe that there would be a quick reaction to cut a sport because you're really not in the big picture talking about a lot of money short-term cutting a smaller Olympic sport. 
Um, Long-term, there may be some strategy there behind facility costs and other support and resources where it would add up and, and make some sense. But as a short-term reaction, I hope that's not the case right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, especially because, I mean, we have you fail alumni who have, who have meddled in, in swim and dive. So it would mm-hmm. be, a, be a shame to see that go. Uh, my last question for you, Blair, and it's a more fun one. Uh, we, we made our, uh, our very early predictions for Arizona football going into next season. Uh, Eric's a little more optimistic than I am. The schedule came out earlier today as we're recording. Uh, how many wins do you see on there for Arizona? Yeah, I, I was hoping you would ask me this, and I've tried to think about it today since that schedule came out. It was it's fun to see a, a new schedule and – and start thinking about fall of 2024. Uh, I can't make a prediction uh, on the schedule because the roster is not complete. I mean, it's, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll retrace my steps a little bit to last year. I was optimistic coming off five and seven. I thought, okay, the defense showed a little bit of improvement at the end. I knew we were going to have a really good offense. So I was optimistic that Arizona could get, you know, bowl eligible. And then I watched a, a spring practice or two and I, and we had big Bill Norton was, was here, Tyler Manoa, uh, Justin Flo on defense. We had a few more, you know, bodies on the defensive side of the ball. And I thought, yeah, okay, it's it, it's still looking like we're progressing to a team that can go to a bowl game. We forget that after spring ball, it was at April or May, we got commitments from, uh, you know, Sio Nofonga Tatoa, a big defensive lineman from Indiana that transferred in. Taylor Upshaw, who had gone to Colorado for spring football, he then transferred down to Arizona. Um, those were a couple critical pieces of the defense as I saw it. And so I really didn't feel sold on our defense probably until, you know, May when I really started to look at what could the two deep look like? Do we have enough depth on the defensive line? Do we have enough depth at linebacker? Um, it, it, it takes these rosters a long time to to round out into form. Uh, even two years ago, uh, Jed brought in uh, um, DJ Williams, a running back from um, you know, the transfer portal very late over the summer. And it was almost one of those questions of, well, did we really need a running back at that time? And then, I mean, I actually think he's going to be one of the harder bodies for this team to replace on offense because of his impact in the fourth quarter of games. So, um, you know, when I look at the schedule today, I don't know, because I don't know what the roster is going to look like. There's going to be players that are, that have stayed up with this team that are going to go through spring ball. And there's probably going to be some that want to transfer after spring ball. Um, there's going to be an opportunity for players all around the country in April to transfer and, I would imagine Coach Brennan's team, uh, staff's going to be very, you know, aggressive and strategic in terms of getting some bodies in here they want. So I have to take a rain check on a prediction. I mean, I on the surface, I feel good about everybody that that's said they're, they're coming back, you know, led by Noah and, and T-Mac and, and uh, Jacob Manu and, and those guys. But um, to say we're going to go eight and four or nine and three or, you know, whatever it might be, I just can't do that today. There's, there's too much of this roster to round out. Um, before I can make a good prediction on that. So I'm sorry right. to ruin that. I'm going to put you on the spot for this last question then. Which is more likely to you? Which outcome is more likely? Arizona men's basketball makes the Final Four. Arizona baseball makes the College World Series at Omaha. Uh, Arizona softball makes it to Oklahoma City. Or Arizona football makes, not wins, but makes the Big 12 championship game. Can I answer that one too? And he's, when Blair's yeah, done? yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I, I you know, I, I guess I probably am I going to have to take and this might be one of the harder ones to actually do because you got to do it in two weeks time. But I, I might just take the basketball team because, I, you know, I, you can probably get hot for four games and get to the final four. Um, I don't know a ton about the baseball and softball rosters yet. It's tough to get the, the World Series. I'm not sure about the pitching on both of those programs. And um, I think the Big 12 is going to be a little bit harder uh, than most 
most people are giving it credit for. I think it's going to be a, a dogfight to win that league. There's going to be a, there's going to be 10 teams that can probably go to a bowl game next year. It's going to be hard to win that league. So I'll go final four. Cause I, I still think this team's got a six weeks to really get this thing clicked into gear this year. Shane. Yeah. yeah Blair pretty much said everything I was going to say. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if, if Jed was still there with that roster, I, I think that it'd be a very, very tough decision between football and basketball. Uh, but at this point, I think it, you have to go final four. And I'm not predicting it. Don't get me wrong, just because we've, you know, hasn't, hasn't happened since there. 2001, yeah. and it's just tough to get there. Um, but I think that's the most likely scenario at this point. It is just, you know, it, it's it's not easy, but it is simple. You get in and you win a few games, and and that's and that that's how it has to happen. In football, I think it's less likely. Baseball and softball, I agree with Blair's assessment there. So yeah, probably uh, uh, men's hoops uh, final four is the most likely out of the four, even though I, I cringe when I say it because, you know, for reasons we've talked about. Clean sweep with that question. You know what I'm going to say? Uh, I think Blair said it best. It takes, you get hot at the right time. You win four games, you make the final four. We're not saying win the national championship, but football is a long season. It's it's three and a half months uh, before you'd make it to, or three full months before you'd make it to the championship game and a lot of roster building to go. So Blair, great to catch up with you. I'm sure we'll have you on uh, closer to spring ball. You're, give us your analysis of what you think, but off to a good start. So great catching up with you. Thank you both. Always fun to catch up with Blair, but now it's time to make some picks. So Shane, you and I struggled last week, one and four with our picks. Yeah. Uh, we will start with, we'll, we'll wait for the Arizona games, pick a Pac-12 road win, unranked road win. Who you got? Yeah, you, you took mine. I, I'm going to go Washington State over Washington. Uh, Cougars won six, uh, six of the last seven, including that win over Arizona. So that's not looking like quite as bad a loss now uh, in Washington. Washington State's only loss in that uh, stretch was at Cal in overtime. Washington's been more up and down, so uh, give me the Cougars to win on the road. I'm going Oregon over USC. Andy Enfield will not survive uh, the offseason. He will be, I mean, as far as USC's coach, mm. uh, he will be replaced. Uh, just a just a prediction. They'll, they'll bring in somebody else. Uh, all right, top 25 loss against an unranked team, Shane. Going Ole Miss beats number 16 Auburn later this week. What do you have? That's a good one. I'm going to go Texas over barely ranked number 25 uh, TCU. Uh, Texas just took Houston to overtime. Uh, I think they're going to get jo the the job done at TCU. So and and I I think Texas is worthy of being a ranked team as well. Top 10 loss against an unranked team going Nebraska to beat number six Wisconsin, but it's kind of tough because the the top 10 teams play a lot of other top 10 teams mm -hmm. this week, so the pickings are slim. Not a lot to choose from, so I'm going to go. Uh, Go big on this one, Eric. Uh, I'm going to take St. John's over number one UConn. Wow. Uh, Saint, How about Saint, that? St. John's is eight and two at home. They just blew out Villanova, lost to a, a by a point to Marquette before that. So what the heck? I'm going to take St. John's and take down number one. So Shane, if you remember, uh, well, you remember, if, if you're out there and you remember uh, on Shane's birthday in October, Arizona played Washington State mm -hmm. and won the game big. Uh, it was a, I can't even remember the score. It was just, it was so bad. Was it 44 to six, something like that? Well, yep. Thursday is my birthday, uh, number 41. So uh, let us hope that Stanford takes care of business, uh, or excuse me, that Arizona takes care of business against Stanford. Stanford already took care of business up in the Bay Area. Let's hope Arizona- Don't they have Cal first? Isn't the, isn't the Cal game on uh, on Thursday? I thought Stanford was, but you know what? Let Shane, me take a you look were actually, You're right. It is Cal. Yeah. Cal's right. Sorry, I had, yeah. I had it backwards. No worries. Let's hope that Cal- uh, that They Arizona better beat Cal business. on your birthday, dude. Yeah. All right. So so how many you got? How many you got Arizona by? 
Oh, just because Arizona likes to make things interesting. I'll 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 take uh, Arizona by a dozen against Cal. They should beat them by more than that, but but I I say that that Cal just it, it just it's a, one of those classic games that should be a little more interesting than it should be. All right, I actually kind of agree with you. I'm saying Arizona by 14. I mean, this was a team. I think Arizona won by 18, but they dominated in the first half. Yeah. Uh, in the earlier matchup, I think they they win by 14 here. I don't think they will cover the spread because I think the spread will probably be somewhere in the. 18 point range something like that now on saturday you have stanford at or excuse me it's sunday night stanford yeah. at arizona uh kind of interesting that arizona plays the rare sunday game this is a revenge angle do you think mm-hmm. arizona can beat stanford by more uh by more than stanford beat arizona by last time which was 18 i think it's gonna be around that much yeah i stanford's not gonna, not gonna shoot as well on the road uh arizona's gonna be uh, po'd after that game um they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be focused enough I, I think they win by about 20. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're more optimistic than me. I mm. say Arizona by 15. Uh, probably won't cover the spread there either, but I think Arizona wins both of these games. I, th- I mean, this is the easiest weekend that Arizona has left. I Should mean, be. this is no, no question about that. You you cannot struggle with either one of these teams, Shane. You must take care of business. Simple, five, quite five of their next seven games, I believe, are at home. Uh, you have the link to on the road or at the, the Mountain Schools. They get a split there. They win their five games at home. That's six out of seven, uh, seven out of eight overall. There's no reason they shouldn't be in that situation. Let us hope. All right. Well, thanks to Blair Willis for joining us. Always great to catch up with him. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down. Bear down.